Now it's time to get all set for Sunday with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Super busy today. Jeff, how are you? Hey, Scott. Just here for ordinary time. Ordinary Jeff. Ordinary Back. Jeff. Back I just, to the ordinary time. I imagine you, imagine you as like the, uh, what's the donkey from... Uh, Eeyore? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what I, I pictured. I, think, I, don't, I don't know that many people would describe me as Eeyore in general, but I was trying really hard to get that. So I'm glad that that's what you saw. You killed it. Thank Father Peter Marshall is joining us again today. Father Peter Speaking Marshall, how are you Eeyore, <laughs> I was just going to say, I think most people think I'm Eeyore. So Why? A, what? Why? I think most people think that I'm I, like, I, I see the downside of things and I'm just, you know, I don't get super excited. And, well, let, let me use this as an opportunity to change their minds and make a shameless plug because for our tens and tens of listeners out there, uh, we have now actively started some social media pages, so not, you not can patently. find you can find all set for Sunday on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. And if you go there right now, you can see a, a picture of a young, vibrant, alive Father Peter Marshall, who is far from Eeyore and is nearly smiling in a picture, which is not oh something God. you'll find uh, very often. So you all should go look at it and check it out. Um, and like our pages and follow us and comment. And it's a great place to, oh, all of our social media platforms would be a great place to drop some dumb questions. If you guys ever have some that you want to include in the podcast. What do we uh, search to find that on the uh, internet? You're going to search all set for Sunday on okay. Twitter, on, par- on parlor. Not, no, yeah. Uh, all set for Sunday on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So God bless you. Like our page on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I just went to the the dentist, um, and my teeth are all sticky from the fluoride. But I asked at the end, like, because you used to not be able to eat or drink anything for a long time, and as an adult, that always scares me because my initial question was, how long before I drink coffee? Apparently, they have a new technology, and the answer was immediately. So. Um, then they, that. then they poured hot coffee in your throat. <laughs> yeah. Then they got that, right that, little, uh, that little, uh, um, little sprayer water pick thing, and it was coffee. It was great. <laughs> but I, I like so hot, but it's so good. <laughs> suck on the straw. All right. That's what we're going to do today is suck on the straw of this week's gospel. Um, Father uh, <laughs> Jeff, why don't you just make uh this podcast be the fluoride of our faith and um and give us the two-minute drill how about that i don't know what the hell i just said i so. don't know what you said. i mean i know what you said i don't know what you mean, i will go ahead with the two-minute drill so Father peter is like what why am i here what am i doing so as i said we are officially in ordinary time now um for a sunday which is interesting because it's the second sunday of ordinary time even though last Sunday was baptism of the Lord. And okay. I don't know how that works, but we'll ask father that later. So um, we are coming off of just a run here of, we get Christmas, we get new year's, we get the epiphany, we get baptism of the Lord. We get Holy family Sunday. 
we, we had all of these great, and then like ordinary time. But sometimes, guys, I forget that ordinary time doesn't mean there's anything ordinary about the reading. So first reading this week comes from First uh, Sam, Samuel chapter 3, the call of Samuel. Um, Samuel is being called. He's asleep. And it, it seems like Samuel thinks he's being pranked by Eli. He thinks Eli's pranking him because every, he keeps hearing his name like, Samuel, Samuel, come to me. And he keeps hearing that. And then he runs to Eli and he's like, hey, you called. And he's like, I didn't call. And Eli had to have been getting annoyed. I mean, this happens three times. Mm -hmm. And finally, Eli's like, listen, I've been here. I know you don't know what this sounds like, but that's just God calling you next time. And then he, he gives us a great phrase, which I always love. And I include in my prayer life a lot. Speak, your servant is listening. So he tells Eli, next time, just say that. Don't come bother me. Just say that. And then here we are. Eli becomes a prophet. God speaks to him. The world is a better place because of it. Uh, the response to Psalm this week, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I like this one because I would say, here I am, Lord, falls into my list of just Catholic bangers. Right. Uh, that is <laughs> like nothing like uh, just a, the belting out, hi, the Lord of sea and sky. I just love a good here I am, Lord. So that was probably the best singing I've ever done on here. No, but pretty good. thank you. Um, that's as far as it goes. That's my whole range. You just get, you, top to get you a pitch pipe. Make sure you're in. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. All right. Um, second reading comes from Second Corinthians. Second uh, Corinthians tells us that our body is for God. That our body, not just our soul, but our body also is for God. It's a temple. wait. Mine says First Corinthians. No, right? Did I get that wrong? Oh, it is First Corinthians. Second reading. My bad. This is just my own chicken scratch notes. Okay. First Corinthians chapter six. Which do you get better, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians? Uh, I. You know what? The uh, the sequel is never as good as the original. So, um. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, your body is for God. It is a temple. It is not immortal. It, it, it is not immortal, but it is for God. It is a temple to hold your immortal soul. So glorify God in your body. And then our gospel reading this week, our gospel comes from John chapter 1, 35 to 42. <clears throat> and it says, John was standing with two of his disciples as he watched Jesus walk by. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, what are you looking for? They called, they said to him, rabbi, which translate translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. All right. Peter. Look Peter. at that. Follow Peter. Here I am, Lord. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Podcast over. We did it. We wrapped it up. There's the homily. Done. Is it is it Cephas or Cephas? Uh, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Okay. Ooh, that's as, what I always say when I don't know how to pronounce something too. As, an, acad as an academic and a doctoral uh, 
what what do you say? Uh, I usually say Kephas. All right. Thanks, Father Peter. Anything else that Jeff got wrong in today's? Not not that it's important to humiliate him over. <laughs> okay, good, good, right. good, good. Well, I I mean, there's there's plenty of nuggets in in these readings today. Where where are you headed? I don't think you could make a wrong decision on that. Well, I, I think I, I've in my prayer as as a pastor, I've really been feeling it important to help people listen to God because there's so much noise going on in our world right now, right? We've got a, a very troubled political situation, no matter what side you're on. I think we all admit like it's unpleasant right now. Um, we've got the, the ongoing COVID situation. We've got our own individual lives and the worries and, and stresses of, of daily life. And I think like, I just am really feeling the importance of saying to people like, no, put, put, put as much of that aside as you can and listen for God's call and invitation. And um, we get so worked up and distracted by the things of this world rather than what is God actually calling me to step out and do today? And not like, it's probably not to fix the political situation of the United States. It's to tell somebody that God loves them and is calling them. And in the busyness of our world, how do you teach someone to listen to God? Yeah, so I think the scriptures give us a nice picture today. One is the the first reading of Eli and Samuel to show that God does speak in in the the quiet of our hearts. Uh, you know, kind of the the middle of the night image. I'm I'm not saying you have to pray in the middle of the night, but to that that it's an image of quiet. It's an image of peace. And that still small voice comes to Samuel, right? And then the gospel reading is that the the disciples hear John the Baptist say, there is God, follow him. And um, so we have God speaking both kind of directly to us and God speaking to us through trusted, holy people in our lives. Give me, um, that was a nice way to dance around the question, Father. Uh, <laughs> this ain't my first radio. Yeah, this, <laughs> how, sounds like somebody who's written a dissertation. <laughs> so say, you know, hypothetically speaking, say you knew someone that had a, uh, a, a two and a half year old son that is wild and crazy and full of energy, uh, a job. Um, and just a busy life, you know, I don't know who that could be, but if I was, if I said to you, father, I'm having a hard time listening to the voice of God, I'm finding time for prayer, but I'm not finding the voice of God in my prayer. What would you recommend that person to do? So the, they are praying. Sure. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They are praying. So I think the first thing is you have to be patient. Like 
you know, we, we see this all the time in scripture and our faith tradition that our schedule is not God's schedule. And so I think you and I and most people, we, we, we think, oh, if I show up for prayer today, God's going to speak to me today. And I think the most important thing is keep that habit of prayer and wait for God because the prayer itself is answering God's call, right? That, uh, that we show up for that. The second thing is, um, you know, maybe talk to a priest or a spiritual director or somebody who's a little bit further along in the spiritual life than we are and say, should I be doing something different in my prayer? Is this the prayer that is actually most conducive to opening me up to God's voice. Interesting. I So I started doing the uh, the Bible in the Year podcast that Father Mike Schmitz is doing. Have you heard of this? Yeah. yeah. Um, number one podcast yeah. in America. What did you say? It's the number one podcast in America. Yeah. And we're right below. I think we're right around number two or three <laughs> right now. So, no free ads. No. So, uh, so I... I thought he, he said something very interesting that I'd never looked at it this way before, but giving God our first fruits doesn't mean that we have to schedule a holy hour uh, at the first part of our day. But if we take the time and schedule, you know, even in our calendar, a time for, for prayer and reflection, that can be giving God our first fruits. And that was, that was kind of a game changer for me, like being able to say, um, yeah, I'm going to dedicate this time in my in my calendar. I'm going to dedicate this time and make sure that I am sitting in silence, praying and actively listening to the voice right. of God. I, I say to people all the time, like work with who you are, right? So if you are a morning person, then get up and do your prayer in the morning. If you're not a morning person and you're already stressed out getting kids ready for school or whatever, then set aside time in the evening or on your lunch hour or w- whatever work with what you have rather than making it just by its nature difficult for you to follow through. I, I've always been, I'm lucky to work in a, in ministry and work in a role where like scheduling some prayer time and putting that in my calendar can falls under my work, my job descriptions, right? Like I, it I need is encouraged. <laughs> yeah. And, or at minimum, nobody's really going to fight with me about it if I do it. Um, but that has always been at, at the times that I'm most engaged in my faith and most engaged in my prayer life is when I schedule time and, and even to read. I've always told people before, like one of the best practices I ever took up was scheduling twice a week, 30 minutes to just read something that I want to read. But like what I traditionally what I want to read is something spiritual. It's something. But if I don't schedule that time especially when you're a parent, parents can understand this. Cause like when you are just, when your life is, is focused as ministry and service to others, it's easy to not fill your own cup, right? Like right. Just, I'm going to give, give, give. And I, and as a parent, that's the case for me as a husband, that's the case for me, but even more so when my job is ministry to others and service to others and that, that can fall, that doesn't have to be somebody in ministry and people in many jobs. If your job is giving to others and doing things for others, it like I have had to force myself and I've had to be, like you said, I've had to turn to people, turn to priests in confession, turn to people in spiritual direction before and say, what am I doing? And they're like, it's, it's not what you're doing. It's what you're not doing, you know, and remind me that I can't 
be in those roles. I can't do them well if I'm not giving to myself as well. And, and it's one of those like where I just have to like smack myself and be like, well, duh, I know this. Like, I know this. I live this. I tell people this all the time. But um, I have to be conscious about doing that. And I think two things here. The first is Thomas Aquinas says that uh, he says in Latin, virtus est habitus. Virtue is a habit. And the backbone of the spiritual life for for anybody is doing it habitually and that that's actually in many ways the most important piece of growing in your spiritual life. And then the second thing I think, uh, Scott, you said, uh, you know, doing a holy hour at the beginning of your day, if you're just starting out with a personal prayer life, like do not aim for a holy hour, Right. <laughs> Like aim for five, 10 minutes and get that down. And that then five. Right? That five. <laughs> you will you will grow in your uh, ability and time to do it. But I think a lot of people set out, they're like, oh, I'm gonna do a, an hour of prayer a day, and then by day three, they're like, This nothing. Yeah. I I was so excited. Last week I woke up early. I was it was like five forty-five, got a cup of coffee sat down at the table, six o'clock, ready to just get some good prayer time in. And that's like, you know, not part of my regular routine to do that in that kind of order. But I love waking up in the morning, having a cup of coffee and hearing silence in the in the air. <laughs> Next thing I hear is the door to my son's uh, room opening and saying, Dada, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, man. And at the same time, I was like, no, this is good. This is... This is fine. Uh, I'm going to embrace this moment. This is going to be part of my prayer this morning, like loving my son, making him breakfast. And uh, and that was good. Just like also keeping in mind that prayer can be flexible. It doesn't have to be what you, you know, if it, it, it's good that you schedule, you set that out in your calendar, but being flexible and, you know, being attentive to what is important in your life and those around you is also good. Yeah. I, I often will have discussions with people where they'll talk to me about how they feel their prayer life has become too routine. But I, I often will say to people like, man, what a great problem to have. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, like you can mix it up and feel, but like if, if part of your daily routine has become prayer and you feel like, oh, I do this, but like there's just not as much depth because I'm just doing it because it's part of routine. Okay. Change it up a little bit, but like, you're you're doing it that's like, right that's such a step forward don't just stop because you feel like it's routine like that just i i working with teachers i'll often hear you know i'll i'll get feedback from people about like well this this teacher does the same prayer every day to start their class you know this teacher does the prayer saint francis every single day to start their class and it's just routine and the kids just know it and they and i'm like every kid leaves that class forever knowing the prayer of saint francis what a gift. Like, what a great thing. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad experience. If every teacher in our building did that and had a different prayer, oh my gosh, like what a gift we would give to our students to walk out with those things as a part of their routine and in their brains and knowing that. And then down the road, that will activate. Like we have to trust that the Holy Spirit will activate those types of things. I think a lot of times, you know, when I'm really stressed about something or I'm, I'm suffering over something like it's just those 
those kind of rote prayers, the Our Father, or uh, I really like the the Fatima prayer that we often say at the end of the rosary or whatever, like, you know, that that's all I can pray in that moment. And uh, I'm reaching out to God, but I, I just don't have the energy or the the <clears throat> wherewithal in my mind to, to make up prayer in that moment. And so I just fall back on that routine. And uh, it's a gift. Father Peter, I'm going to ask you uh, a good question leading into dumb questions. I'll be there. Uh, do, do you have a devotion, like a special devotion to St. Peter having the name Peter? A little bit. Um, I, uh, I have several statues that I've collected over the years of St. Peter. Um, collected or have been given? Collected. Are those okay. behind you right now? Are we looking at some of them? No, I think they're all over in the house. Oh, okay. Um, I I love Saint Peter uh, because he like he gives me hope in the sense of like no matter how I stumble, like I I, I can get up and keep going because Saint Peter did, right? Amen. I, we- I just love that. He's a perfect patron for me. I would argue that this <laughs> podcast is kind of a, a a Peter podcast. We talk a lot about Peter and about just loving the like the the just goofy blind confidence of Peter. Right. Just, like I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna go for it and in in and he's wrong so often and he gets just smacked down by Jesus and like that's okay. He just keeps coming with it and what a leader. Well, like, and I love like even the extra scriptural stuff, the like the tradition of when the persecution was coming to Rome and the Christians encouraged Peter to leave the city to save his life because he was the bishop and we need you to keep going. And he gets kind of to the outskirts of Rome and he sees Christ walking the opposite direction into Rome. And uh, he turns around and goes back and is crucified and that's not scripture. It's just tradition. But what a beautiful picture of, of Peter's faith is that, you know, we're all tempted to leave. But when Christ says stay, he just says, OK, forget it. I'm going to stay. I, ju- I just love this is why I love Peter, because in my dumb brain, I just imagine those moments where like he's walking out and he's like, all right. I got to go. I got to get out of here. He sees Jesus. And he's like, oh, come on. Right. Like, again, I fell for this again. Right. Oh. And at that, that point, he was the Pope. I mean, you know. <laughs> I guess I'll your... go back and take it up. And he's like, never. I got it. That's all right. Is that your Peter voice? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I. I don't have a, you know, St. Scott yet, or I don't think there's a St. Jeff. So I've, I've always been curious whether or not people that have and bear those names have particular devotions to those things. But all right, dumb questions now. Jeff? Now it's time for dumb questions. But I mean, if we're being honest here, pretty much all of Scott and Jeff's questions are dumb. Uh, all right. Well, this I'm, I also have a less than dumb question like a mediocre dumb, I don't know, but we, and we've talked a little bit about this, but this, this may be a question you dance around as well, because it's never an easy one to answer. But we, as we're talking in the readings here about God speaking to Samuel, like him hearing this actual voice, right. And everything like, 
we we we've talked about this in here about how does God speak to us and reach out to us and but like what do you have a moment like if somebody says like hey has God ever spoken to you do you have a moment or a story or something you point to that you're like yes this is an experience where like I can best describe how God spoke to me yeah uh I think so in, in early college I was really struggling with faith and this was before I was a Catholic, and uh, I, I was, so I was just struggling with, like, do I believe in God? Do I want to believe in God? All of this. And uh, I kind of, I went, my college had a prayer chapel on campus, a, a lovely little room that was just, people, it opened 24-7, people just went in there to pray. So really late one night, early one morning, I was in there praying, and I just kind of said to God, like, okay. Like, if, if you're real and if you want me to follow, like, I just need to know and, um, and, and I'll do it. Like, I'm not, you know, it doesn't even need to be spectacular. I just need to know for sure that this is the right way. Went back to my room and went to bed. And I had, I think, three days of like, just the most unbelievable peace uh, in my life. And I was like, okay, like, I don't need trumpets and, you know, fire coming down from heaven. But at that point in my life, like having three days of kind of uninterrupted peacefulness was almost the most miraculous thing that's ever happened to me. And that was your Jesus walking back into Rome moment. It, it pretty much was. And, uh, and look, look where it's got me now. So. Yeah, on this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says a sense of peace. Like if I had known, I just would have disregarded that sign. So. <laughs> uh, too bad, sucker. That's um, all right. Dumber question. We'll scale. All, all right. right. In the gospel reading here, we hear three different names for Jesus, right? Um, we hear hold on, I had to pull Rabbi. Up uh, yeah, well, behold the Lamb of God, Rabbi, and then Messiah. And I always love John helps us out with the translations and lets us know what yeah. everything means. He's a good John was a good teacher. Um, uh, in looking at this, I did a little bit of light research, and by that I mean Googled it and then looked on Wikipedia, and I found a Bible concordance that says there are 198 different names for Jesus in the Bible. I was going to ask you how many, but I decided not to put you on the spot. But my question for you is, what are your favorite names for Jesus? I'm going to ask you too, Scott. Uh, I like Lamb of God a lot. It's very Eucharistic, right? And there's some great art over the centuries of, of Christ as Lamb of God. But I think like I noticed this a couple of years ago when I'm leading the penitential rite at the beginning of mass. And I often use uh, you are mighty God and Prince of peace. And uh, I, I think part of that is that ties in nicely to Handel's uh, Alleluia chorus, right. And uh, all of that from the Messiah. But I, I think that's actually what I, this is going to make me sound bad, but that's what I'm looking for in God is that he's a mighty God and he's the Prince of Peace. And ah, both and both and I like it, Scott. Uh, I like Are you googling names for Jesus. And I oh, totally. 
Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of Jesus. Oh, and stop. Okay. Full stop. Right. Full stop. I don't know. I I I like when Jesus is as human as possible. Like I I like names that that identify so like Jesus teacher the things that identify with his humanity because I can most easily identify with him in that. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. 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 No, I think I think the same like I I go two ways, well, multiple ways. One would be I just love the he who is I am. Like, I just love the like declaration of that statement. And that was something that was so confusing for me to figure out for so long. And then the more I dove into it, the more I loved it. But also I love the image of priest, prophet, king, because of what you just said, Hmm. Scott, of like the humanity of like priest, prophet, king, like those understanding those roles. Those are all things we can, that feel achievable when we, when we say the phrase be Christ-like, or we hear the phrase be Christ-like that that's intimidating when like Christ is, king of the Jews or the light of the world. Like that, that doesn't feel achievable to me every day. Priest, prophet, king. Those are things I can work for. Like those are like achievable things that other people did. And I can, I can try to get there. What's your favorite? I just you said that. Ju- uh, okay. That's it. That was your answer. Were you listening? What? Come I, on, man. <laughs> I wanted to ask you the question, but you right. just answered your own question. And yeah. I was the next thing in my brain was, I'm going to ask Jeff, but then you did it, and I'm sorry. Jeff doesn't actually need us to ask him questions. He'll just tell us. Yes. Yeah, if I'm good at anything. I mean, this is why we have a podcast. I love to what, talk. All right. Father Peter, what is your go-to resource? I mean, Jeff just mentioned Google and Wikipedia, but when you're looking up, um, whether it's you know something in Scripture that you need more information on, uh, what is your go-to resource for Catholic stuff? Uh, for the viewers at home or the listeners he, at home, Father, he went to go get someone else. Walk away. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's the guy who works in the office next door. He came, <laughs> he came back with a, one of his employees. Seminarian. <laughs> All of it's false, dear listener. Um, uh, the Navarre Bible. Sure. He said it's singular. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the Navarre Bible comment. I had to make sure that that was the title of it before I said it. But that's the commentary I use most often, and they have uh, volumes. Some some of them are combined sets of books, and some of them are are individual books of the Bible. And they it's kind of a they print the scripture, and then they have just extensive notes on uh, it, and it's like. Modern scholarship, it's church fathers, it's, you know, uh, translations of difficult words like mm. rabbi or whatever. And uh, it, it's very helpful to me. Is there a free online accessible version of a commentary that is uh, Catholic in nature that's your favorite? Or does that even exist? I, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever searched for one. Okay. So I know that. No, that's I'm fine. A bad priest. I'm, I'm a bad priest. Well, no, honestly, like, you know, the average Joe probably doesn't look up gospel commentaries and, right. um, you know, you have access to that as as an academic and um, that's probably not in everybody's bookshelf. Yeah. But the, you uh, answered the question. The, hold on, me, there's a Bible. Uh, I've heard of this Bible. 
We're no. <laughs> Uh, that the one with 198 names for Jesus in it? It, it does. Fasc- no, nothing more fascinating on a podcast than somebody up wandering around their office looking for a book. Uh, uh, the Harper Collins Study Bible New Revised Standard Version also has a lot of good notes. Dear listener, I'm holding this up to the camera. Listener, so- this is insulting. <laughs> Also a hard copy in Father Peter's office, if anybody wants to go check it out. St. <laughs> Jude Parish. 53. Um, Dialing into your podcast is almost beyond my technical ability. <laughs> Dialing in. We're not, like, this isn't a rotary phone. This, you don't oh, know my office set up. His, his modem fired up when he, when he sat <laughs> down in the chair. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to get dumber with questions. I have one last, we'll wrap it up here. Last dumb question. Uh, second reading talks about our body as a temple. Yes. Uh, do you have any tattoos, Father? I do not have any tattoos. Where do tattoos follow in the fall in the world of our body as a temple and we should treat it like a temple? Uh, I think tattoos are permissible, but you have to weigh it in light of like, is this worthy of a temple? Ah. And so, you know, like we, we put art in all our churches, right? So is it worthy of being permanently on the temple? And remember, we're, we're going to be resurrected in our bodies. So um, maybe it'll be for all eternity. I, I would also, I always encourage people to also weigh, uh, is this, do you want to explain this to your grandkids? Yeah. Whatever this is, do you want to explain it to your grandkids when they when it's wrinkly and they can't read it anymore? I've also heard it being explained that we would be resurrected in our most perfect uh, sense of our bodies. Is that is that correct? That is correct. So I wonder if like anybody that got tattoos would only have certain tattoos when they got to heaven, because... <laughs> and then they find out what was right. That's right. All right, I'm going to leave you with a story. This isn't a dumb question, but a dumb story. But I got a phone call the other day uh, from somebody who. Uh, this is just a random call that came into the school and was forwarded to me. Somebody who wanted to know if the church <laughs> teaches that being left-handed is a sin because they had heard that Catholic schools wouldn't let people write with left hands with because it was a sin. And I was reminded of hearing stories of my grandmother tell the, the stories of growing up in Catholic schools and the nuns smacking her on her knuckles because she was a lefty and they only knew how to teach right-handed. So, well, that happened to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was forced to learn to write right-handed and I didn't go to a Catholic school. Ah, so it's a sin no matter what the faith it's ecumenical. (laughs) Ecumenical sin. Uh, I think uh, there was this cultural, like pre-modern cultural excuse me, aversion to the left hand. And part of that is the Latin word uh, is sinestra, which our modern English is sinister, right? Like it was just viewed in the ancient world as being not as good and perfect as the right. So if your body is a temple, don't use the sinister hand. Yeah, but I don't think there's ever been any like official Catholic stance on being left-handed. I'll tell you what, you check your bookshelf and let us know. (laughs) I'm sorry that I own books. I'm sorry that I own books. Thanks for listening to All Set for Sunday.
We hope your children behave during Mass this week.